Welcome to this episode of About the Adventure, a podcast about career change. I am your host, Sarah Lister. My guest is Simon Maier, a French knife maker in Sheffield. Before taking up his current craft, his background was in urban ecology and landscape design. During the interview, I asked him where he learned his skills as a bladesmith, why he decided to relocate from France to England, and what he thinks is the key to making your craft into a business. We recorded outdoors, surrounded by bluebells in a beautiful Peak District woodland. I hope that you can enjoy listening in a similar setting. So who inspired you to take a different path? I, I don't think it's like once a, a person in particular inspired me. Uh, I think is I just realised the life I was living was not really fit for me. And uh, I just wanted something else. I wanted... Uh, so I, I, I studied gardening, landscape gardening, landscape architecture, uh, urban planning. All those things was a bit related during my study. And, and I started to work in this field, obviously. But the main reason I chose this path was I wanted to be a gardener. I wanted to work in a garden. And maybe my garden. But I realized it was really hard to have your own garden because you always work for someone else and uh, and if you work in your own garden you don't make any money so i i always had this um i was missing something and and uh, and i realized that maybe i i needed to make something different so that's why i starting to make knives because it's something it's kind of easy to make because it's an old craft so in fact you don't need a lot of material or or technology to make it and uh, and it's a small object so it's quite easy to make one and to make another one and yeah you can move it as well which garden you can't so if I want to travel I can still be a blacksmith and was there a particular turning point that made you realize that you really needed to, or that you could make this change so I was living in Paris a bit like quite a stressful life even if uh, some people are probably much more stressed than I was. But uh, and I wanted to start something else, but I didn't know exactly what. But I wanted something connected with cooking the food and making something with my hand. And uh, I thought before starting anything else, I wanted to learn English. And I decided to move in England for a couple of months, maybe six months, maybe a year working having a bit of work experience here and um, and coming back in france and starting my new project as a french is quite easy to work in a restaurant in england so i just started to work in manchester and restaurant a place called the refuge and i work for them and this like being with the chef working with knives kitchen knives being in a restaurant is just like led me to this to choose to make kitchen knives and after I moved to Sheffield and I started this project really. And you mentioned on your website about a an encounter while you were on a traveling by bike. Yeah so I always love knife I'm, I'm from the countryside my grandfather always have a knife you know when you live in a farm you have a knife in your pocket and I and I think I was dreaming of that having a knife in my pocket when I was young so I was I always was like uh, but just just small pocket knife and um, 
and yeah i went on a big bike trip in iran and when i was coming back in france in budapest i met a guy who was traveling as well almost the same trip as me and uh, he came from spain and uh, so i met him he was on the bench but i recognized he was a traveler because he had the same bike as me almost and i asked him well, what are you doing and he said i am a blacksmith i am a knife maker I was like, really? <laughs> so I thought, like, oh, we need to talk together. <laughs> so we spent three days, like, talking nonstop about what he was doing. And uh, and when when our paths, like, separate, we um, separated, we, he told me, oh, if you want to make a knife one day, just come in Spain to my workshop and we will make one. So obviously I kept that in my mind. A year later, I went on another bike trip to Spain and uh, and I went to visit him and um, and I made my first knife I forged my first knife and this like kind of like it didn't really started here in fact but if you look back yeah it started here and so while we were walking to this woodland where we're sitting now you were talking about this bike trip that you did so you cycled from France to Iran and then back to France. What actually, why did you do that? What made you go on that trip? So I was uh, studying at this point. So I don't really know the equivalent of like, but in French we call that a BTS, which is, uh, it's two years after baccalaureate. So, uh, but it's, um, it's like a professional, it's two years where you learn like a job as a gardener so that was at the end of those two years and I was imagining probably like going to university after that but I wanted a break and I had this really really good friend we always said we will do a big bike trip or just a, a trip at the beginning it was just a trip in fact and uh, and it, it just led to a bike trip and um, originally we wanted to go to Mongolia and came back by the Trans-Siberian and the, the 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 trip just evolved and we just went to iran and came back and why why i did that uh yeah I, I just wanted to do something different and i wanted to travel and cycling is is just the best way of discovering the world because it's it's really slow but not that slow because you can you can do like 100 miles a day a bit less, a bit more, depending where you are. So, in fact, like in a week, you do 700 miles, and, and like you already cross France. And so, like weeks after weeks after weeks, especially in Europe where the countries are small, you can go from a country to another country to another country, and um, that's a really nice way to travel. You meet people, you don't make any noise, obviously, you don't pollute. You have no footprint, like you, 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 you camp, you just put your tent somewhere and the day after you disappear, nobody knew you was here. And, and yeah, usually you meet people as well, which is always nice. So how important is that to you now to travel and to sleep out in the wild and have these types of experiences? Well, I like it. <laughs> uh, I think th what this trip like taught me is is just like uh but cycling cycling is is nice but it's really hard as well sometimes 
because oh, when you have an issue on your bike, you break something, you have to push it. The hill is too high, the mountain is too high, it's too hot, it's too cold, it's too windy, <laughs> it's too rainy. It's like it's always something wrong. And it teaches you like to not give up, to to just like just take one day at a time, just like keep keep going because it's not like something incredible to do. It's like it's just really one day after the other. Like everybody can cycle. So it's, it's like everybody can do it. And do you think meeting that blacksmith that from Spain, do you think that was a big influence on you? Um, I don't know. I could say yes, but uh, maybe not in a sense where people usually see it. Uh, I think he just, it just makes me realize, oh, I knew another blacksmith. And uh, someone was like cycling like me, was uh, not living with like a lot. But it's not because I met him, I became a blacksmith. It's just, yeah, I I don't know why I became a blacksmith. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah for like, I, I became a blacksmith because I think I just, so one of the reasons, because I, I don't think there are like one main reason. Mm. It's like different reason. First, I was in Sheffield, and and it's like even in France we know Sheffield for like the steel history, the blacksmith history, and um, probably like half of the blade in Europe are made in Sheffield. It's insane. And so that was one of the, like the reasons. The other reason is. The blacksmith, you always had like a really important part in the community, and because obviously I was, I was from France. I was arriving in England, and I didn't have like uh, a network. So I didn't have people around me. So being someone important in the community was really appealing, uh, because the blacksmiths make tools for everybody else. So a sewer, a woodworker, like even doctors, like. Uh, farmers, everybody needed uh, a blacksmith, and in fact, I'm really open to like other craftsmen asking me to make some specific tools or tools you can't find, or tools are really expensive because I can make a blade, I can make a lot of different tools, in fact. And, and I think being like being like important in the community is like is, is really nice. <laughs> What were the first steps that you took towards making significant changes in your life? So I think the big step was uh, leaving France to learn English. Because as every, you know, like uh, French of my generation, we have basic knowledge in English. We watch some like English uh, series and... Uh, and obviously, like if you if you are on your computer, a lot of things are in English. But it's you realize you think your English is good until you go in England and you start to speak to speak with other people, and you realize, oh, my English is not that good. So that was like the big step for me to just say, okay, I need to go back to school, and uh, and that was really hard, and that was like the first big step I took, probably. And were there any other big steps that you took in actually setting up your craft as a business as such? So I think like probably a couple. So you have you need to find a space to do that. Can you do that at home or not? 
Can you do that in your garden or not? Do you need a proper space for you? Can you share it? So at the beginning, we took a, a workshop and my girlfriend, she's, she's really crafty and she was doing a bit of poetry and we was kind of sharing the workshop. So we, I could split like the, the rent with her. And so that's one of the first things. The other thing is like, what, what is the most basic tools you need to start? Um, because to make tools you need tools <laughs> so <laughs> I I had this I had one week of training with uh, another blacksmith in France and I chose this guy specifically because he was teaching blacksmithing with like the most basic tools you can have it's literally anvil, hammer, forge and forge can be anything can be like a gas forge, charcoal forge coal forge, anything and and I chose him because of that reason because I I didn't want to have to invest in like big tools big materials because I think if you start your business and you already like owe a lot of money to everybody it's not really good yeah so I sold my car I have a small car in France I sold my car and it was a really small car so mm. it didn't <laughs> it wasn't much money <laughs> but like I probably gather like fifteen hundred pound and with those fifteen hundred pound I I bought like all the tools I thought I needed. And in fact, I wasn't, I, I was right with what I needed. So yeah, just anvil, hammer, a pair of tongs, a forge, a bed grinder, a really small one, and a bandsaw, and that's it. And who were the first people that you made knives for? Like, How did they find out about you? What did you begin with? So first I started to make knives for imaginary people (laughs) 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 I was just trying to make something so (laughs) I made a couple of knives should we stop or no? Uh, yeah maybe pause for a second yeah good idea I think it was right (laughs) over the top of us so you were saying that first of all you started making knives for imaginary people yeah exactly (laughs) make knives for imaginary people (laughs) <laughs> and, and after you make knives or... At the beginning, I, I wasn't even making knives. I was making something smaller than knife we call kiridashi, which is like kind of small cutting tools, Japanese cutting tools, um, because it looks really simple. In fact, now I realize it's not that simple, but it was easy to start with that anyway. And uh, so you make stuff for your girlfriend, for your sisters, for your parents, because they will be happy to have something from you. And um, and my first client was a student from Sheffield. He find me on. He was a he was a young guy. He was like in his twenties. And uh, for his birthday, he asked a bit of money to buy a knife, and he wanted something made in Sheffield by a craftsman. So he knew he wouldn't have the best knives in the world. It was my first client, so it's like, uh, it's, it's incredible. The first is really stressful as well. <laughs> but the first time you make something and someone will give you some money for it is something. It's a very special feeling, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's like, like when I started to sell my knife, uh, they, they were really cheap because what I wanted is to make more knives. So I just needed a bit of money to buy a bit more steel and gas and wood to make another knife and uh, not really making money just like just sustain uh, your craft 
so at the beginning what you make is really really affordable and uh, but that that gives you like the opportunity to make another knife and another knife and another knife and uh, and you become better mm. and uh, and after you can increase your price and at some point you can start to make money and at some point you can start to quit all your other job and just make money from it but i think you need to accept at the beginning you are not making any money you need to make knives that's it how did that student find you? Did, was it a website or? I think you find me on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I just started to post pictures on Instagram, just because everybody do it, mm. and uh, and I and I found a lot of knife maker on on this platform, and and I thought uh, yeah, I would do the same, and I think he was looking for some for something local, so that's how he found me, and and after it was someone else, another another person from Sheffield. And uh, his wife, she's uh, she's a chef, and she's she have a, a tea shop. She make cakes and stuff like that. And um, and he wanted a knife for her, so it was like another client. And he talked to someone else, and after this man with a drawer ordered me four knives, which was like the biggest order. <laughs> and yeah, little by little like that. And you need to accept. He starts slowly. He starts s- small. And uh, and and he will take it will take a uh, time. It's like the thing is like everything have to grow together. Your skills have to grow with your visibility, with your clients, with like the expectation from your clients, with like the quality they will expect from you. If something grow faster than the rest, you will be in trouble because people will expect something you can't give. Or your price will be uh, out of the market, or like, or you will have a lot of attraction, uh, attention, and you won't be able to respond to everybody. So it's it's great if everything grows in the same speed slowly, because that gives you the time to adjust everything. And what other jobs were you doing in the early stages to support your craft? So when I moved to England, I was working in this restaurant in Manchester, and after I moved to Sheffield, and uh, and I found a job at the Freeman College, uh, which is a really really nice place, and I was working at uh, Fusion in like the the small cafe they have, and so just Freeman College is a college for like uh, autistic uh, student, and we work we help the student to to like learn some cra- some new skills through cooking, through woodworking, through blacksmithing and stuff like that. So it, it was a really, really nice place. And at the beginning, I was working full time and doing a bit of blacksmithing on my weekend. And uh, little by little, I reduced, I reduced my hour to work more in my workshop because it's such a nice place. They perfectly understand what I wanted to do. And basically, they, I had like a like an uh, all-inclusive uh, contract where I could like choose how much, how many hours I, I could work. and uh, So it was like, that's great. Yeah, that's perfect, yeah. isn't it? Lucky position to be in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, uh, and, and everybody's so nice. So it's, <laughs> it helped you. And now are you just working in your workshop? Is that yeah. yeah. So um, at the beginning of the first lockdown, they had to close the restaurant. And so obviously I was furloughed. But at this time, I was only working one day a week. And uh, so that basically pushed me to work like full time. I was already working four day a week in my workshop. 
so it wasn't like a massive step but um, working full-time on your craft is really liberating because there's so much you can achieve, achieve uh, which when you have another work is always tricky to to manage like both world both work both like timetable and uh, so yeah yeah and having like a social so, life and <laughs> yeah i think i think it's like it's 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 finding like a flexible place to work but also finding the right place to work because that will as well help you because me they mm. didn't like i wasn't tied to a really strong contract they was like really comprehensive with what i wanted to do is it just it just give you like a lot of confidence to like slowly go to your craft full time and do you ever have moments occasionally now that you worry you know if, if orders aren't coming in as frequently or do you ever have these moments where you think oh i really should look for something else i'm i'm not worrying uh, like i'm always a bit worried but i think it's good because uh, that keeps you aware of what's what could happen is like never be like oh now that's it. I'm the best knife maker in Sheffield. <laughs> uh, I'm going to just like explode. No, no. It's like, I think if you stay humble, uh, you are a bit worried because you, you're like, oh, what I'm doing, is it good? I am doing in the right direction. I am going in the right direction. Um, so that's, I think that's, that's an important like uh, mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> uh, if you ever worry about money or getting yeah. another job. Yeah. So, no. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I, I I worry about like what I'm doing, but not uh, about like if it will work or not. Okay. Because I'm I always sold my knife. Yeah. I don't, no. I know. I I'm not worrying. I'm not worrying. That's good to hear. <laughs> and th have there been any bumps in the road along the way? Any big challenges or problems that you've had to overcome? Yeah, so the big challenge is definitely the language. So, yeah, so I told you, like, um, when you move to England, you realise, oh, your English was, like, really minimal. And after, even when you speak, English, you realize you have so many different accents in England, even sometimes like in the same area, that you don't really always understand everybody and not everybody understands you. So language was like, it's not like one challenge at the time. It's like a, a recurrent challenge. It's, it's like always coming back to me when you need to call someone on the phone and the line is not really good and you, you are not sure to understand everything and you are not sure if he understands you as well. And, uh, you know, when I'm, I'm looking for something specific or a specific type of steel or a specific tools, and uh, sometimes I'm not sure if the name I'm using is the exact name of this guy is using and, and I'm, I want to be sure what I will get. So, um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's a big, big challenge. And after... I think for me and for my craft is how to deal with like physical exhaustion, like being tired, uh, because blacksmithing is really hard, is really physical, and you can really quickly push yourself too far and just exhaust yourself. And when you are exhausted, it's become even harder to talk, it's become even harder to think. Uh, doing your paperwork, doing your, your 
accountancy and stuff like that you, you push it because you are too tired so i think it's like the um, that was something as well i i had to um, focus on not not being too tired because in fact y usually you can you will be able to handle the physical exhaustion like i'm i'm quite sporty so you know i can i can handle it it's fine i can do it but in fact it's like you can do anything else and and a business is not just forging is is everything else so yeah you need to and and it's probably the same for different craft with like mental exhaustion like you you are just like you are just really tired and uh, me I, I i was really tired for for a good year until i, I was like uh slowing down a little bit so how did you start to slow down a bit and take forging the... a bit less <laughs> yeah it's forging less and uh or in fact it's not really forging less it's forging better so working on my posture is like it's basically exactly like what a sportif will do he will uh he will run 10 kilometers in like i don't know how long, how long it will take but uh and, he, and after how you how you run faster or how you run like longer and, and I, i'm basically doing the same is like uh should i do big four session for example like four hours of forge and after i don't forge for four days or should i do one hours every day or should i work uh yeah should i change my posture should i change the uh, height of my hand wheel should i change like i didn't do all those things but uh <laughs> i i try to like forge one day and having one day of rest because the thing is like in knife making you have like the hot forging you have the cold forging like you have a lot of grinding to do i do a lot of grinding by hand and it's also really exhausting so it's not only the forging it's like you need to keep energy for the rest of the day and usually i forge in the morning because like that is a bit is less hot mm. especially in summer and uh and in winter like that my workshop is hot <laughs> for the rest of the day so i always forge in the morning and also because that's what I like the most. So I start my, my day by doing what I like the most. <laughs> that's, that's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I tend to do that as well. So I think you did touch on this earlier, but where did you learn your skills as a bladesmith? So I, I had obviously this one day forging with my friend I met uh, on a bike trip which I probably don't remember anything. <laughs> and uh, I had a, a training of one week with uh, Bladesmith in France, and he didn't really teach me how to make a knife. It, he, teach me, he taught me how to understand what... Ah, it's, it's, like, it's hard to explain, but uh, yeah, he taught me how to like... Um, yeah, obviously he taught me how to make a knife in, in a sense. But uh, that wasn't the main focus of the course. Main focus is was having the basic of each step of knife making so I can I will know how to, to do each step and I will be able to push each step further on my own okay so basically it gave me the tool to learn my on my own which work really well and uh, and after I just learn on my own mm -hmm. and why did you choose him as your teacher because it was it was using really not not big materials so really really small equipment so like that i could start my own craft with a small investment like almost no money because he was teaching really basic uh technique 
instead of oh I will show you how to make a knife but in fact I won't explain you like the subtle point so when I finished this uh, this one week training uh, in fact I was uh, as a being I was a bit confused because I was I don't know how to make a knife in fact but I start to work on my own and and Little by little, I realized, oh, I understand why he told me this. I understand why he told me that. And in fact, I think that's pushed me much further than a lot of other knife makers because I wasn't like restrained by uh, some knowledge basically don't lead you very far. I could like explore everything. And I think that's why I have probably a really distinctive way of making my knives is because it, it come from me. How did you learn about Japanese knives in particular? So, obviously when you talk about kitchen knife, like 30 seconds after the beginning of the conversation, you start to talk about Japanese knife. For The main reason is because um, they kept their craft, where we basically, by industrialization, we lost a lot of skills which now I think with the new generation of craftsmen we are like starting to rebuild and in Japan they kept the skills so that's why their knife are like that good um, so who led me to like Japanese knife is uh, Scott <laughs> so he's, um, he's, a, he's an English sharpener uh, chef in knife sharpening and he's passionate about kitchen knife from like I don't know how long but long time and uh, and I met him and we we started to work together a little bit and he opened me this like this really really vast world of like high-end kitchen Japanese knives stuff like that and he led me where I am now in fact like what is important for a knife because you can you you have knife for everybody so I don't say I'm making better knives than someone else because that's not true. I just make, I can make different knives. Will fit different people for different tasks. And that's also something interesting about Japanese cutlery is each task have a tool, each task have a knife, which we completely lost that in Europe. In Europe, we have like three knives, that's it. Do everything with that. Yeah, you can do everything, but not as good as each tools, each task, one tools. So in, in Japan, they have like a lot of different knives, which as a knife maker is really interesting and really appealing because you can explore a lot of different techniques. Have you actually been to Japan? No. Mm. I, w I would like to go. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be yeah. An interesting It's trip. too far by bike. Yeah. <laughs> you can only go by bike. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> How have you developed your technique since you started making knives? So it's it's a lot of, I spend a lot of time, not much reading because it's quite hard to find books about what I do, uh, but uh, blogs, websites, other like Instagram account, like other craftsmen. And uh, usually you see something and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Why is doing this? And after like you... When you understand why he's doing this, like you can start to reproduce and you can, you can start to do it yourself. And um, yeah, I, I, I mostly learn on my own, but you are never on your own. It's always people around you. But nobody taught me how 
to make a knife how I make them today. I, I, it's like a really slow progression of like one knife after another one after another one, and each knife you try you try to have like a really really like learning curve. You try to have a really slow, really flat learning curve. To not be like, oh, tomorrow I will make the best knife in the world. No. <laughs> it's like, tomorrow I will make, an, I will focus on this. And usually what I used to do is like, in one month I focus on one thing. I try to focus on the rest, but mainly on this thing. You will focus on forging the bevel of your knife. And, and you do that, and at some point uh, you will nail it. You will like, oh, okay, I understood something. Okay. And after you will focus on something else. And sometimes you have to come back to, for example, forging your bevel because it's like, oh, in fact, now I do like that. I have to change this. And it's always like that. You go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And little by little. And in French, we have this expression. We say, c'est en forgeant qu'on devient forgeron. That means it's like, it's, uh, you become a blacksmith by blacksmithing. It's like, it's by doing like you learn. And I think that's really true. And I perfectly fit in this, uh, <laughs> this sentence. <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, it's like, it's reading, talking to other people, but not that much because I wasn't really comfortable to talk to other people. So mostly reading, watching. It, you have quite a lot of video on YouTube, but usually you don't see everything. So in fact, if you don't have, if you don't have the knowledge, if you don't really understand the process of making a knife and you are watching those videos, sometimes you will miss like some important part. Or even sometimes in Japan, they will to not show the process. They will film the steps in 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 the wrong way. So it will forge, and after it will do this. But in fact, you should do this before and to confuse you. But as soon as you reach like a, a small understanding of how to make a knife, you can like explore those videos. And just yeah, just testing. I have a massive box of blades. Uh, which is like the bin, and uh, and that's all the mistake I made as well. But I'm not really like. I know it's like like entrepreneurs usually say, you know, you learn from your mistake, which is perfectly true. But I'm not I'm not saying oh uh, my mistake made me or stuff like that. No, it's it's by doing it. It's like, uh, um, and also something I try to do is like. I always try to push the, um, the knife to a final product. So obviously my first knife was not like amazing, but uh, I was trying to sell them anyway with false cheap price and uh, trying to like to not be oh I didn't succeed this part so it goes to the bin. There are some part of the knife you if is uh, if is not uh, well made is not well made and the knife won't work, especially heat treatment or stuff like that. But I always try to push as far as I can each knife to to just like push it out of the workshop and make another one. To not like, yeah, oh, this is not perfect, so you go to the bin. Because in fact, you are missing a lot of, you are missing the rest. Yeah, I'm losing my mind, but uh, yeah. No, not it my makes mind, sense. <laughs> <laughs> Your track of thought. No, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like finishing everything you can. Instead of being like, oh, this is not perfect, so it's not worth it. Yes. It's like, obviously, uh, when you start, it's not worth it. It's like, obviously, it's not perfect. It, you will compare your knife to, like, 
good 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 other matchmaker and you will be like oh my god <laughs> but that's where you was at this time and uh, and uh, each knife is like it's just a photography of your skills at this moment we say in english like uh, i mean in knife making world uh, you are as good as your last knife that's it so yeah you are not the best you are just as good as your last knife how do you feel when you're going into your workshop does it vary each day or do you always feel excited or you're looking forward to learning something or do you sometimes feel anxious or you don't have the energy for it like how would you describe your experience so I'm, I'm always happy to go to workshop because it's, it's like it's a perfect place for me everything have its own space i have my machine in fact i can make much more than just knives in my workshop and uh, yeah, it's always it's always great. I'm I'm never like the money. Oh, I don't, I don't go to work. It's like oh, it's like I can't wait to to go to my workshop. It's like it's incredible for me to have a space where I can make so many different things. And I can that's also like the wonder of like knife making world is you can always make a different knife for a different person. For so it's like it's never you 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 make knife every day, but it's never the same knife. And uh, it's never like a moment where I'm like oh what I'm doing here and uh, sometimes it's more like about myself my friend in France my family I'm like oh I wish I will be in France to share this more with my family or my friends I would like to have my dad at the workshop with me showing what I'm doing but I can't so that that's when I'm doubting, but uh, never like about the workshop and what I'm doing. It's like this is, this is great. <laughs> this is perfect. That's so good to hear because you know I think a lot of people have this sort of separation between their work and lifestyle, and you know sometimes I think working is yeah just a, a sort of means to live the life that people want. Whereas it sounds like with you, it's like you said earlier on, it's more of a lifestyle for you. Yeah, it's like what I'm doing is completely part of my life. I, I hit knife, I dream knife, I, I take a shower knife. It's like I'm, uh, and also that's that's what helps you to solve problem. Mm-hmm. Because uh, when you are when I am in a workshop, I'm not solving problem. I'm I'm creating problem basically. <laughs> I'm making stuff, and and I'm solving problem like outside of my workshop when I'm doing something else, and that can be a bit hard for your partner or for people around you because sometimes you you look like a crazy person but uh, yeah uh, it's like everything turn around this and uh, and i think that's why it's working as well is because you are you are like in it what is your approach to finding locally sourced materials so that's that's something important for me for the ecological point of view but also for just the accessibility of like we see with we saw with brexit or with covid when borders close when like you can't travel anymore oh how i can get my stuff for my business so if it's local it's fine because you take your bike you take your van is like 10 miles away or stuff like that so i think it's it's not only like for ecological reason it's like purely for business reason accessibility and working for with your community for your community so that's the reason i do it and how i do it is uh, usually i rely on people i met 
I, my second or third customer was a woodworker and when he came to my workshop to order his knife he brought me some piece of wood and I was oh that's great and uh, I, I asked him where do you source your wood and he said oh you know I only take local wood and I said okay so I need to know your suppliers and, and all my wood come from one place in Sheffield uh, with, it's a sawmill and uh, it's like a rough plank timber but it's local, it's cut here, and uh, I can go there, I can choose my wood, it's, like, it's cheap, uh, I can have the quantity I want, if I want small bit, I have some bit, if I want big. And for the steel it's the same, it's like Sheffield is like running for steel, even if like, it's not many knife steel made in Sheffield, just one, from what I know. And, uh, but you have suppliers here, and it's the same. My steel suppliers is from Sheffield. Even if I buy steel from like sometimes from Germany or sometimes from France, because some stuff are not available here. But uh, if if like you know they had to close Yorkshire for some reason, I could I could continue my craft without problem. Maybe I will run out of gas, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will find another solution. <laughs> Who buys the knives? You mentioned some of your like first ever customers or clients. Who buys what you make, and are they the people that you're really aiming for? So, obviously, my customers change uh, whilst I was changing as well, and uh, because I think what I'm making now is a bit more refined, is a bit more is a bit more professional oriented. Before it was a bit more, it was more a gift. Or yeah, it's local. I want some something like handmade and stuff like that. So obviously, my my price change as well. So you you lose some customers, but you gain some new one. Uh, so my customers are, I would say, like maybe sixty seventy percent chef and thirty percent like home cook. But uh, it, it might change again with like what's happened to restaurant. With the COVID, maybe it will change again and I will have more home cooks than chef. Yeah, that's roughly the ratio. The last bit of the question was uh, how I... Oh, uh, yeah, that if that's the customers I was aiming for. I, I don't target customers. Or it's like what I do is uh, I try to make the product as best as I can, as cheap as I can. And when I say as cheap as I can, it's not like... For example, I use simple materials and maybe 80% of the price of one of my knives is in fact labor. Is not. I don't have expensive machinery, so I don't have to pay them off. I don't. I use quite simple material. I use like simple steel and I use simple wood, local wood. So nothing is expensive. What is expensive is the time I will spend on, on making this knife, which that's what I want. I want my customers to pay me, me, not because I have a big van or because I have a, a massive workshop or because um, I want to go like one uh, one month holiday every time or, or because I have expensive tools or, or because I'm using really expensive tropical wood. It's like usually what I say, <laughs> and I know this is not really popular, but if the handle costs more than the blade there is a problem <laughs> <laughs> so me it's like uh, I spend 30 
between 30 minutes and an hour to make a handle and I spend eight hours to make the blade. So all the price is in the blade. That's where where the work is, where the skills are. And I think that's important. And um and you see yeah, that's that's move a bit like the customers I, I I'm aiming for. I don't really target customers. I, I just I just publish what I do and people buy it basically. Yeah. So after I think it's more the the photo you will take, how you will present your work because I don't have a shop, so people will only see or will never see the the product itself. They will see a, a photo of the product, which is a representation of the product and how you how you present like your knife. And I think that maybe that's how I I I target customers without knowing knowing it. But I I the thing is I don't know who I'm I'm targeting anyway. So <laughs> you don't have an idea no. in your mind. <laughs> I c- I can see who is buying my knives. But uh, I I don't target those people specifically. I just because um, for some people, someone wealthy buying one of my knife will be absolutely nothing. Will be like really just a nice stuff to buy. For some chef, and chef don't earn money, so <laughs> they really they really they they earn money just because they work so many hours. So buying a knife from me is an investment, but. It's a tool for them, so some people are willing to invest in a good tools because uh, that's how they want to work. And you have like the third category of people who is like like nice things. They are not speci- specifically wealthy, but they will they will save money to buy a nice thing. Yeah, that's basically the three kind of people I'm selling my knife to. And I saw on your website as well. These are they're made to be long lasting. Yeah, it's like. If you pay 200 quid for a knife, it's like you need to keep it for for a long time. Yeah. I mean, in my point of view, it's it's really um, it's really I I made my knife so that you can keep it f- almost forever. If you if you pay a bit attention, if you maintain them, if you look after them, uh, you can keep them like for all of your ni- for all of your life without problem, which. Which I think is is really rewarding for me to make something like that, instead of making something people will probably lose in a house moving or just like get rid to a charity shop because uh, I have too many knives in my drawer. I will just like bin those one. N- no one will bin one of my knife. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> and do you only use your own knives when you're cooking? No. Yourself. <laughs> so it's it's like it's terrible, but um, I have. <laughs> I have I have some knife at home who was too bad to sell. <laughs> so in my kitchen I have only really bad knives <laughs> I made. But uh I, I like them because they remind me where 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 I started. And I also have sometimes we trade knife between knife maker. Uh it's a good way to see other people craft and also to not like spending money in like uh, so I, I I'm uh, at the moment, I have a knife from an American uh, knife maker who is English, but he lived in America and now he lives in France. So it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's like that's what I use. Do you go to any festivals or events or workshops, conventions that are around your craft? No, um, I I did like in Sheffield. I did once a small market. And uh, and it was great to meet people, but no, I'm not like 
if I do something like that, it will be oh, a small market or to be with someone else or to help out someone or. But no, um, I know, I know. It's like it's a big, especially in US, even in France, a lot of knife makers only sell in like big, big, fa big fair, like big, uh, big uh, market. But uh, me, I just no, I don't do that. So do you make by order? Like you don't have like a massive stock that you. So I do. I do. I have two ways of uh, selling my knife. I used to take orders, not anymore. I might so first I I will clear all the order I left, and after I might reopen my order book, just for a couple of people, with specific knives, more like as a as a challenge, and or for like early clients or stuff like that. And uh, the other way is I make a knife and I put it on my website and people buy it. So that's really convenient. You release your knife every two weeks, people buy them, and uh, and that's it. Is there a particular platform that works best for you? Like, I know you've got your website, you've got Instagram, anything else. How do people know when you have products ready to sell? So I uh, so I have Instagram, which is great because. It's it because Instagram is mostly like photo based and I, I really enjoy taking photos so it's like it's a kind of nice media for me uh, which I never never use Facebook because uh, Facebook is more like interaction like talking and stuff like that um, so I, I don't feel like comfortable at all with Facebook and I have my website which is a really simple Shopify website like that selling is really easy you don't have to all the you know like the money exchange part like uh, paying and stuff like that is 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 uh, is done by the website they take commission but in fact is not is is a good invest is like is a good commission is i'm happy to pay that and uh, because i think it's important it's still very important to have a good looking website with where is easy to buy stuff and i have a small newsletter which I don't know, I have like two or 300 people on it. And what I do is like people on the newsletter, they will know what will be available before. So they can't buy it before, but they will know what is available before. And after, the, the, I think the biggest uh, social platform is uh, word to mouth. That's how you say it in English, yeah. So it's just people talking. And uh, sometimes I can see it is like I sell a knife to a guy in a restaurant and uh, a couple of weeks after, I will have two of the chefs from this place ordering a knife. And I know that's the best, because that's the strongest. Because those people know exactly what they buy, and, uh, and they understand what you do, and they like your style, they like your technique. And, uh, and I'm always really... If, you, if, you, if you've been a client to me, you will have a special relationship with me. I'm, I'm like, I will always answer a question. I will always like, oh, you have a problem with your knife. Just send it back to me. I will fix it because it could be a, a mistake. Even if it's not my mistake, it's fine. Because um, like this, this word to mouth is just so powerful. And we don't, we don't, I think we don't, it's because it's really hard to know how, how, work you, uh, how well it works. We don't rely too much on this because, mm. oh, you know, I don't have data on this. Or No, it's like, this is just indestructible. It's like you have one client will talk to two guys 
And that's how it works. People work in the kitchen, they spend 12 hours a day on a shift working with knife 90% of their time. And it's like, oh, you have a nice knife. Yeah, I bought it from this guy. Oh, really? Give me his card. No, no, <laughs> done. And uh, that's that's like the best. Yeah, it's a, no- it's a really nice feeling too to think that people are talking about yeah, this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm always surprised because... Uh, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I know that's that's the best way to sell mm-hmm. your. I mean, for for the craft I do is the best, mm. and it's the strongest, and it's something don't really fade away. In fact, because even my early customers who had some not my best work, <laughs> mm. like my early work. They are still really supportive with me, and I know they still keep talking about. And last time I had a guy, he, he bought. He was like one of the first clients as well, and he was like, "Oh, um, I think my knife don't perform really well." And I just say, "Oh, no!" In fact, he wanted a new handle, so he sent it back to me. I put a new handle and I reprofiled the knife, and now it performs much better. And um, and I know he will he will support me, maybe forever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just yeah, all of that just works. It feels good, doesn't it? It's, yeah, is is and it feels real. Yeah, and because sometimes I'm like, you know, if one day Instagram decide because you have like someone stab someone else with a knife and they decide, oh, no more knife on on the platform, done. Where I'm gonna sell my stuff? Mm. So you like the real world is is the real world is like is a. Uh, is unbreakable. It's not like a CEO from like the Silicon Valley will decide one day he want to do this or he want to do that. No. And um, I'm, I, I would like to have another platform, but I, I didn't find any. So it's just my website, Instagram, and people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's good, isn't it? Because that's manageable. It's yeah. Because I think if you spread yourself in even more. Yeah. places then <laughs> yeah after you can it's more work or you yeah oh it's more work or you just like reduce the quality of what you are doing yes. and, uh, i really enjoy taking photos finding nice rocks putting like and uh mm. and i know i spend i spend some time doing it and i could just take my phone take your pictures and done and I, probably my knife will be i will sell them like as quick but i won't take the pleasure of doing it is that a photog- is, is photography a skill that you've taught yourself, or have you actually had? Yeah, but I, I'm taking photos since like ten years, so it's like uh, it's something I I learn, yeah, by myself how to do it. But um, the thing is, like, I think it's uh, it's really good to have uh, to have to had other experiences, even like in in like big companies before. Because in fact, I realized when I started this business, I didn't know how to make a knife, but I knew everything else. I knew how to use social media. I knew how to take photos. I knew how to like present my works. I knew how to like deal with invoices, bills. I knew how to talk to clients. I know, you know, when a client sends you an email, you reply in a day, like all those things. Mm -hmm. You don't really learn yourself. Like that's practice from like, like general practice yeah other experience other yeah. jobs other experiences and, and because you know all those things it makes your business easier mm. even if you don't if you don't know it i'm a bit a geek so like working on my website is fine and uh so it's it, because if you have to learn how to make a knife and learn 
everything else. Well, that's a that's a tough job. <laughs> Whereas you've just brought all of your yeah, skills yeah. together to do this. Yeah. Does anyone else support you with your business? So obviously my girlfriend she supports me a lot uh, because uh, because she's she's here all the time for the up and the down, and uh, she was here at the beginning just to give me this confidence of like. She was she she had a salary, so she was like, okay, I'm I'm making money. So if 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 you don't sell anything, is like it's fine. So yeah, like Charlotte, she's uh, she's here and she's she's pretty much my part my business partner as well. Even if she for my business, she don't do anything, but she's doing like so much around, which is which is really important, I think. And uh, Scott as well, the sharpener is really important because he is like obviously he guides me, which uh, I think is really important to be guided. Yeah, that's it. But other than that, you do everything else. You yeah, do everything yourself. I me. think that that's the beauty of like running your own business is you have control on everything you want, and and uh, and I love the diversity of like all the tasks and the skills you need to bring together to run your own business. I think that's, that's great. That's why I don't want employees. I don't want to be to be a big a bigger business because I want to keep like this uh like control if I you know if I uh, want to to do posters or something like that knife related I could I can do it if I want like uh, is is um is just just another path to take but uh so yeah is I think you need you need help from outside uh, for everything around your business and, and guidance because you don't know where where you go usually. But after it depends everybody. But um, for example, I, I might taking an accountant because I know how to do it now, but I don't, I don't I still don't like it. So I'm like okay, this this might be like this job for someone else. But everything else is like I'm I'm happy to do it. And also knife making, you usually need some specific tools tools you can't really buy off the shelf so you you usually have to make your own tools and that's that's i'm terrible to do that it's like it's i i learning the hardware because i'm not a machinist i'm not like a an engineer but uh that's great to learn this along the way of like knife making and anything is good to take anything you most of the time you think or oh, you know i i don't know how to do that or like uh all the skills I have are useless for what I want to do. I want to be a potter, and I used to work in a company, and it's like, but in fact, you you don't realize how many skills you already have, and uh, yeah, you used to work in like in a shop. You know how to talk to people. You know how to interact with them. You can do like, you know, uh, stories like live video and stuff like that because you will be comfortable to do that, and and that's a great skills and anything, absolutely anything. And after those skills. Obviously, you will learn some new one, but you will also those skills will guide you, will will lead you where 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 uh, where you want to go, where you can. What's it like living and working in Sheffield for you? I love Sheffield. It's a great great city. It's not too big, not too small. You have everything you need. It's uh, it's it's green, as green as it can be in England. <laughs> Uh, you have the Peak District really close. Is uh, yeah, it's it, it's a great place. Charlotte, she have some family here as well, so it's like it's a a little bit better. And after 
because of all this history around like knife making, blacksmithing, forging, metal working, Sheffield. It's like when I say I'm French, I live in Sheffield and I make kitchen knife, everybody's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and, um, and I think actually that's helped a lot. By being French, so that's not my fault. I'm just French. That's all. <laughs> that's just who I am. And uh, but in in people's mind, uh, French gastronomy chef. This guy, this guy must know some stuff. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, yeah, I live in Sheffield. That don't make me. I, I don't come from you know like a generation of blacksmiths and stuff like that. But just by being in Sheffield, he make like a small. He give you like a little uh, extra. I don't know what is like something je ne sais quoi something special <laughs> <laughs> yeah something special <laughs> and, and uh, is, I don't know how much but I'm sure by being French by being in Sheffield that's helped my business so probably being in the right place and doing something fit in who you are is probably a really good advice for people who want to um, start a new business and do people take you up on the opportunity to visit your workshop not that much uh, even if I'm really open to, but uh, obviously the COVID didn't really help because we couldn't really like uh, meet. But I started to do that for my Sheffield customers is if they want, they can uh, they can collect their knife at the workshop and I will I will sharpen the knife with them. And uh, like that I can explain some stuff, how to care for the knife and I can also like show them how how to sharpen the knife. So yeah, if if I had a bigger workshop, a bit like easier space to have people around, I will try to push this a little bit. I don't push it that much, but uh, I like having people in my workshop because uh, I mean I make knife for people, and most of the times I don't see those people because uh, you know everything go online and everything go through the post stage. So yeah, as if I can see people, it's it's good. Because you always learn something or you always realize something or, or you open a new door or a new market or like something new. I think it's a really nice experience to offer people. Yeah, yeah. What standard of living are you working towards? So I'm like an humble man. <laughs> humble. Uh, so I don't, I don't need much. But I'm, I, things are important for me, for example, is like buying good quality food organic produce if I can. Uh, if I want to go to a restaurant, I, I just want to, to go there and just like not being like, oh, I don't have any money. So I I always made sure I was earning money, but I I um, I don't need a lot. So I, I, I don't know if you want like numbers or stuff like that. I don't, I don't, the thing, I don't really know how much I earn <laughs> because I'm a self-employed. So like basically, I save money for my business. Everything else goes in my pocket. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. So it's like, uh, yeah. Obviously, I think being being like with someone else, there are some bills like at home you share. So it's always a bit easier than being on your own. We don't have a big rent, which is helpful. We are not like spending, I always wear the same clothes. I'm like, we don't spend a lot of money in holidays. We have a van, we just, we just basically just go somewhere. So yeah, it's like what I'm doing fit with what I, how I want to live, and and I think that's like a key of the success because uh, you don't need to be like to live like a poor person to 
to have your own business but uh but obviously there are stuff you you won't be able to do and if it's hard for you that's probably not the right choice if it's hard to like not doing it it's probably not uh, so yeah do you still have an appetite for travel even if it's you know by bike do you still feel like that's something that you'd like to do yeah but by taking this journey in like this craft in fact is like traveling for me first I live in England, so even after three years, a lot of things are new for me. So I'm I'm still traveling in my everyday life just because I discover new... Oh, you eat that in England? Oh, you drink this? Oh, you do this? Oh, like, so it's it's kind of still a travel for me, a little bit. And also, like, I'm so, I'm so focused on my craft. I don't really think about, like, anything else. But, uh, but I start to think of traveling, so that means I'm like... I, I will. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah. Is there anywhere in particular that you would love to go to? So I had this idea, like, when I was a bit younger, and I still want to do it. Uh, my dream was, uh, one of my dreams, was to do the tour of the Baikal Lake in, in Siberia by bike during winter. I don't know if this is really possible, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah... I might do a smaller trip first. <laughs> why? Why does that appeal to you? I don't know. It's just. It's just <laughs> like I love. I love Russia. I think that's a really, really, really beautiful country. It's. It's so big, and I. I really. I. I wish I could go to Russia and travel by. But it's such a big country. Basically, what is complicated when you travel is borders. Mm. Russia is like is eleven thousand kilometers with no borders. So it's, it's great. Yeah, you just go free. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you need to you need to 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 pass the first border first because it's not easy to go in Russia. But uh, yeah, I, I would love to go to Russia. But I think when you travel by bike, it's good to have like big trip. I I, I wanted to do like crossing the Canada as well. I I never did, but uh, I I might just do smaller trip because those trips are like you need to stop working for three, four, five, six months. And uh, so you need to save a lot of money. And, and I think saving that much money with like a small business is probably a bit tricky or it will take a while. So I think I need to be like the kind of trip I want to do need to be more uh, fitted with like what I'm doing now. So maybe smaller trip. I don't know where. I don't really like really hot country anyway. So so. I mean, England is fine. No? You like the snow. <laughs> as not well. really the snow, but uh, I just I just don't like hot country. Mm. It's not I don't like them. It's just like so hard. Yeah. But Siberian winter. I mean, that's snow. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> I, I I can't handle it. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> be interesting, wouldn't it, to find out? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still feel a connection with your background in urban ecology and? landscape design yeah because first i'm i'm using wood in my craft so i learned the name of like timbers and uh, and i when i go to a, like a timber merchant i can ask him exactly what i want that's a small skill but uh, but i think that's important for me and uh, i think ecology is everywhere anyway so it's like is what you do how you do it in my in my job, I'm really focused on 
limited the amount of uh, of waste I create. So I have a really small bin in my workshop, and uh, and I'm like sometimes I'm like oh, it's, it's already it's already full, and it's like you need to reduce like so I'm I'm buying good quality abrasive, so like that you, I use less abrasive. Uh, doing a lot of grinding on on sharpening stone instead of doing it with sanding paper, so you create less waste as well. So yeah, I'm I'm, I'm really focused on that. But I think that's not not necessarily because of my background in urban ecology. I would like now my my business is kind of settled, and I'm I'm like I know what I'm doing. Uh, I would like to create a bit more free time to start. To do something else in like gardening or I, ideally I would like to do some edge laying because I could make the tools for the edge lay edge layer and I could do some edge laying as well and I want to do that because it's 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 still a craft in England which completely disappeared from everywhere else almost in the world in France like almost nobody do it anymore. Can you describe what it is? So edge laying is uh, is basically cutting. A living hedge and create a fence with it so you will you will partially cut for example it could be like hash so you will have some small young hash and you will partially cut the branch until you can bend it and and you will you will create like a I don't know you like like a fabric I don't know how you call that uh, yeah like a fabric so the hedge will be will be still still be a living hedge but it will be like a like a proper fence mm-hmm. so this was used in england uh, to keep like the livestock because sometimes it's so dense even like uh, a chicken can can like go through it so obviously for sheep and cows and, and horses and like everything and uh living hedge are obviously much better than barbed wires and and like uh, you know uh, uh, i don't know the name but dry uh, stone walls and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have a little bit of uh, biodiversity in life stored walls, but not much. You have like so much more in like uh, hedge. Uh, hedge have been edge laid, and I think that's that's. I realize the the more niche is your craft, the better. Mm. <laughs> so this is so niche. This is perfect for me, <laughs> and also because it involves using cutting tools, and uh, and that's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I describe myself as a bladesmith, so a bladesmith makes like blades, not necessarily only knife. He, he makes like all sorts of blades, and um, the hedge layer use like those kind of tools. And I think it's really interesting and important to understand the craft you are making the tools for. So that's why I work in a kitchen before making kitchen knives because I, I understood a lot of things in a kitchen. For example, I realized. Chefs don't know anything about knives. Most of chefs don't know anything about knives. Most chefs don't care about knives. They use any knife around. If you don't cut, it's fine. I don't know how to sharpen a knife. So in fact, it's like when I started knife making, I realized 80, maybe 90% of the chefs in the industry won't be my customers because they don't they don't care. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so... When you know that, you know you have to aim for high-quality stuff. You can't just be like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm going to produce, like, average knife. No, you can't do that because a lot of people will just buy 
13, 30 pounds Amazon knife. Yeah, or just you can even just buy knives in the supermarket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like it's, and it's and it's yeah, it's crap, but uh, for some people it's enough. Yeah. So um, it's always good to understand like what people need mm. and uh, and what you can do for them. So yeah, if I can do a bit of edge laying, it will be good, or just doing some gardening mm. or like uh, something like that. How do you most like to spend your time when you're not working? What time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like hiking. I like cycling. I like uh, just being at home cooking. I like having friends around. And uh, even if it wasn't easy. <laughs> but uh, yes, that's usually what I do. Um, and like, And the rest of the time I'm thinking about knives. i'm thinking about like the next knife i will do how i will do it what can i change how i can improve it what steel i will use will i use different technique because the more you know about knives the less you know about knives the more you realize how subtle and complex are some of the best knives you saw and um, that's also why it's so interesting for me to work so closely with Scott. It's because he's a sharpener, so people send them, send him knives, and he have access to like every week. He have like I don't know hundred and hundred of different knives, and I can see them, and I can study them. I can be okay. They do like that, or they do like that, or here they did like that. Or okay, I think yeah. So yeah, that's that's really important, and 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 just just being like. Understanding, like learning, is is never finished. You, like you always have something else to learn. And you had some people a lot in Japan. They spend like a lifetime making one knife. I mean, one type of knife, not one knife, one type of knife. And at the end of their life, they are still like, oh, there are stuff. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still not sure. And you're still like, not quite right. How this is even possible? And when you start. Like you think like oh, I'm gonna nail it, and uh, but the more the more you you work and the more you explore, and that's come as well with like being humble and just being like okay, I, I still have a lot to learn. The more the more you discover, like that's an infinite like life of learning, and that's for one knife, and you have hundred and hundred <laughs> of different knife with hundred of different technique with hundred of different steel, and we still produce new steel, so it's like great is uh is like a lifetime of work yeah and is it important for you to take a break from thinking about it and learning about it is it important for you to get outside and just take a step away from your work or your craft i no, because it's not uh it's really really nice for me for to think about it all the time yeah, I think when I when I don't think about knife, I'm using knife I'm, because I'm cooking or something like that. <laughs> yeah. so it's always a part of. <laughs> yeah, when when is a true passion? Is not is not like it's not hard to do it. It's really it's really easy. It's like you are like a sponge and and you just like take stuff. Mm. That's why, for example, it was so hard for me to learn English because I I didn't want to and I was a bit like close to it at the beginning and. Um, and uh, and it take more time to like reach you, but when when is when is not the, the case is is so easy. Just just uh, you just open yourself and it just like reach you. So yeah, 
I don't know what I do because I I used to read a lot but not anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> what question would you like to ask our listeners who are perhaps considering a career change into work as a craftsperson that might help them to make a start? So I think it's not really a question. It's more like you have to trust who you will meet. Because if you if you choose to take a path, you will like you will start to think about like something. So I don't know. You want to be a, a potter, so you will start to think about pottery, and you will start to like read some stuff. And you know this effect when like when you when you start to like when when you start to be interested in a topic, you start to see this topic everywhere. It seems to be like everywhere and you're like oh, okay so in fact like mm. everything is poetry there are so many stuff everywhere and this this i think this happened this was really true for me so you ta- you you take this path and obviously you will start to immerse yourself in your new like craft id and you will also meet people are uh, exactly in the same mindset and those people will sometimes guide you sometimes they will give you advices sometimes they will help you give you one tools, give you one advice uh, I think the only like uh, it's not really a question is like just stay open to everybody because you never know what can come from them and uh, from my experience like one day I, I, I told like a total stranger oh, yeah you can use my machine to grind your knife and uh, and uh, we work so closely together it's, it's incredible to think about that so yeah if, if we really have to be open especially in like in this time where it seems like things are closing a little bit like Brexit, COVID, like we need to be aware, stay away from people because they might give you the, 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 the virus or like the closing of the border and stuff like that. It's like, no, we need to keep like this open because uh, it, it helps everybody. Yeah, I think connection and communication yeah. is such an important part of yeah, changing career or starting a business or starting a new craft. That is it's not always the most obvious or the most talked about, but actually that is a really important part of the experience. And I think that's fit with we are social animals and we need interaction and the more time we spend on social media, online, watching TV or stuff like that, the less time we spend with other people. And, uh, and I realized that really vividly when I moved to England because I didn't know anybody. I didn't have like a networks. You know, usually you meet friends and those friends will introduce you to new friends and stuff like that. But when you start from scratch and you have nobody, um, you realize how important to have like this little group of friends and um, but it could be exactly the same in like the career change you want to do is like you need to create these small networks and this will expand and you will meet more people that will create opportunity and and this will never beat anything like it will never match like what you can do on social media yes on social media you can reach 5,000 people on your Instagram account but it's, it's like is is so small. Like the the connection between each people is like is tiny. Which when you meet one person in real life is like so strong. It's like a, a really really strong connection. Yeah, and it's it's so much more memorable. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's an experience. It's a story. And also, 
you might do that to someone else, even if you don't know it. Because I'm sure when Scott met me, he didn't know he will help me that much. So you have to do it for yourself and you have to do it for other people and people will do the same. Um, and I'm sure the society will be <laughs> so much better if we do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for a wonderful interview, for sharing parts of your story You're with welcome. us. <laughs> Should we go for a walk? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> thank you very much. In the much. midday sun. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to this interview. Please follow About the Adventure for more content like this. I've set up a career change community on Patreon where you can join for £5 per month to support the making of this show. Members get invited to walking events, one-to-one career chats and a private Facebook group where you can suggest guests for the podcast and put forward questions too. Click the link in the show notes for more details. Finally, a big giant thank you to Simon for such an inspiring interview and a wonderful morning together. Check out his links in the show notes to see his work.